Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Proverbs 15, we're going to look at one verse. Where'd you go? And uh, we're going to be continuing our series on relationship goals. I love teaching on marriage. I don't think you help anybody as much as you help them when you help get their marriage where it needs to be. Okay. If you're single, take good notes because it's not always going to be like that. All right. The reason I know marriage ministering to marriages is so important had an experience yesterday me and Lindsay were in Chattanooga yesterday all day teaching at a marriage conference and I got up and she shared our story a little bit and I got up and preached and talked a little bit and we we had a break for lunch and there was a lady that walked up to me at that break she was trembling and she had a little piece of paper said you need to hear our story talking about her and her husband you need to hear our story she walks up to me she hands me this piece of paper she's just shaking she said you got to hear our story, but I can't tell you right now because I'm about to have a panic attack. I was like, that escalated quickly. So she hands me the paper. I read it. Didn't under, couldn't decipher what it meant. My wife goes over and talks to her. She had come to the marriage conference. She had been, she's been married 11 times. Is about to get married for her 12th time to the person that was her very first husband. And she came broken, desperate, saying, I need somebody to show me how to do this God's way. Because when I try to do it my way, I make a mess of the entire thing. God has a way that this is supposed to be done and the world has a way that it's supposed to be done. And if we do it God's way, we will be successful 100% of the time. Can I get an amen from somebody? So we're going to talk about it this morning. You ready? I'm going to talk about man's favorite topic in marriage. Your favorite topic, which is communication. We're going to teach on the subject. Listen, listen to me. Look at me. We're going to teach on the subject, life-giving communication. Life-giving communication. I love doing this. And if you come back some other time, we'll preach, we'll shout, we'll holler, we'll sweat, we'll fall out, we'll revelate, we'll do whatever. But this morning, we're going to teach on life-giving communication. You with me? All right. Proverbs chapter 15. Read one verse to you. Verse number one. A gentle answer. You're good, brother. You're good. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. This is why communication is important. Because communication is a learned skill. 
you don't automatically know how to do that right. You really don't know how to do that right if you've never seen it modeled for you. Communication is a learned skill. The reason it's important is because this right here can cut or heal. I have seen this right here be the cause of more divorce than I have adultery. I've seen this right here be the cause of more divorce than physical violence. Because we have to learn to get a hold of this right here. And you cannot use the excuse that it's not your personality, you're an introvert, you're not really trying, you're not really big on talking. Doesn't matter. You have to learn this skill. If you're an introvert and you're just not naturally prone to good, solid, normal human conversation, which I am not either, I'm an introvert, all right? That just means you have to work that much harder at it. But you don't get to not work at it. Okay? Communication is a skill that you have to work. It's a muscle you have to flex. And it's about as fun as working out any other part of your body. It's a skill. Can heal or wound. This right here can destroy a marriage or save one. This right here can either be the wind beneath the wings of your spouse or it can be the whip across their back. This right here. You have to communicate. The reality is you are communicating in some kind of way. We just got to figure out whether or not it's life-giving. You are communicating. You've got to communicate. That's how you connect. That's how you find agreement. This is how you argue. This is how you resolve conflict. Let me give you two primary Communication problems, again, this is going to be very linear. It's going to be very line upon line. Let me give you two primary communication problems we have to avoid. You ready? Number one, you have to avoid misunderstanding the power of your words. You have to know how powerful this is. This has disproportionate influence in your marriage. This has more influence than how much money you make. This has more influence than your sexual prowess. This has more influence than anything else in your life. Good marriages are good because healing words were spoken. Bad marriages are bad because destructive words were spoken. You fell in love with that person because you were careful with your words and you made them feel loved, honored, and respected. People say you can't fall out of love. You most certainly can. I fell in love with you because of how you made me feel and I can fall out of love with you based upon how you made me feel. I fell in love with you because you were careful with your words and you made me feel loved, honored, and respected and I can fall out of love with you if you are careless with your words and you make me feel dishonored, unloved, and disrespected. You hearing what I'm saying? You have to understand the power of this right here. Now, here's some truths I want you to wrap your mind around as, as it pertains to your language. Number one, words last. They're not evaporative. You don't say it 
and move on and its impact not still be felt. I have counseled people who heard two sentences from their dad 30 years ago and those words are still reverberating in their heart and mind every single day. Are y'all with me this morning? Words last. And for whatever reason, negative words have a way, destructive words have a way of latching onto you longer than positive words do. Words less. That's why your Bible says, that's why Paul uses this example. He says, you have to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And then he said that Jesus washed his wife with the water of his words, saying she is going to carry on her whatever it is you say about her. You have to wash your wife with the water of your words, and she will carry the residue of whatever it is that you say. That's why the Bible said the wife is the glory of the husband because whatever the wife is carrying and wearing is a testimony to what you've washed her with. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? If she's full of confidence and faith and dignity and respect and honor, it's because the man spoke the right words over her. And if she is broken and dominated and, 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 and destroyed and destructive and meek and weak, it is because the wrong words were spoken over her. Words last. Not only do words last, words reveal the condition of our hearts. Y'all are quiet this morning. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You cannot, you cannot cover up the condition of your heart when you're still speaking the words you speak. For example, sarcasm. Right? I, know, I know a lot of people think that's a cute trait of their personality. I'm sarcastic. Don't we all know it? I'm sarcastic. I'm just sarcastic. I know. That's why you don't get invited to anything. People say that like they're proud of themselves. I'm sorry, I'm just sarcastic. That's why we avoid you like the plague. That's why we avoid you like the coronavirus because you're so sarcastic. It's just my personality. Change it. You mean I can't be me? Yes. You mean even if it feels like a little part of me has to die on the inside? Yes, let it die because it's selfishness and it's mean-spiritedness and it needs to be crucified. I ain't getting no help from nobody up in this place this morning. Sarcasm, what is behind sarcasm is anger. It's veiled meanness. Sarcasm is the coward's attempt at being bold. Right? That's just one way words reveal. When you have sharp, biting, harsh words, that proves there's unforgiveness in there. If you, you can learn so much by just listening to people talk about themselves because they have one perspective of themselves and we have an entirely different perspective of them. I like to say it this way. You cannot smell your own stank. You ever walked in somebody's house and smelled it and you thought, how in God's name do they live here? You know how? They don't smell it anymore. 
And you see some people, when they laud weaknesses in their personality, you think, you're not seeing it anymore. This is a blind spot that you are completely oblivious to, and then you actually think it's a virtue when really it's a vice. Harsh, bitter, critical words mean there's unforgiveness there. Disrespectful words shows that you devalue people, that you take them for granted. Chronic, chronic silence. Chronic. Now, there's times in every marriage where you, you need, you need alone time, Right? My wife will tell me with regularity, if she's in our, we have a sitting room, we have our bedroom, then our sitting room. After she puts the kids to bed, she goes to the sitting room to watch her shows. If I walk in the bedroom, not the sitting room, the bedroom, she will say, I love you, go away. Leave. I'm not on the clock. Leave. Every parent knows that feeling when you put the kids to bed and you think, I'm off the clock. Glory to God. 15 minutes later, you hear their door creak. You're like, the devil is a lie. I swear you better get back into that bed. I'm not checking back in till 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Y'all know exactly what I'm, don't act holy. Don't act like you're the great Amish family. Well, we just love all 400 of our kids and we just homeschool. Don't play with me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you seem prone to anger. When it's supposed to be bedtime? And they ain't in bed yet? Yeah, I'm prone to anger. I still try to talk my teenager into taking a nap. <laughs> you tired? You look tired. I... <laughs> Y'all know what it's like as parents when you trump up charges to make them go to bed early? Did I sense disrespect? I thought, no, that was di- I thought I sensed disrespect. You're going to bed an hour early. Yes. <laughs> Y'all are acting so holy on me. Y'all are funny. So silence in marriage at times is fine. You can have your moments. But chronic silence, not communicating, proves there's something wrong. It reveals there's a separation going on. Because words are revealers. And words, listen to me, are never substitutes for action. You can't say... You're the most important thing in the world to me. And then put everything else in front of your relationship. Even the kids. The kids are not supposed to be in front of your spouse. I know you disagree with me. That's fine. The best thing you can do for your kids is love mama right. The best thing you can do for your kids is love daddy right. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? You cannot substitute words for actions. I see this all the time in counseling. Yeah, I slapped her, but I told her I loved her afterwards. I've I've talked to battered women who have been beaten, to have bones broken, and then come in and want to talk and say, well, he didn't mean it. He said he was sorry. 
He said it was because he had a bad day at work and that he's still loving me. Can't substitute words for actions. Y'all with me? Your words are powerful. Now listen, listen, listen. I want you to get this truth about words. I'm going to talk about this a little bit further in a minute. Criticism never creates change. Criticism never creates change. So you have to understand the power of your words. Number two, watch. You have to understand the differences of men and women. As much as our culture would like to make them one and the same. They're not. We are as alike as Mars and Venus. Right? Men and women have different needs. Hang in here with me. A woman's need, your wife's needs for communication. Communication is not just something she wants. It's a deep need that she has. Her need for communication, husband, is every bit as profound as your need for sex. Knew that gets you attention. You're like, all right, now we're talking. Right? It's every bit as profound as your need for sex. Every time you refuse to communicate, it has the same impact on her as every time you try to be intimate and she got a headache. Y'all can explain that to the unmarried people later on. It's the differences between men and women. If you will meet her emotional needs first, she will be responsive and meet your physical needs. I'm trying to help y'all out, women. Y'all ain't giving a brother no help. If you will meet her, need, her emotional need for communication, she will meet your physical need for intimacy. Men and women are completely different in this way. Men are emotionally modest. Meaning when we talk, we talk about surface stuff. Did you watch a game? Did you see the fight? This rain's crazy, ain't it? This weather boy is something else. We're emotionally modest. Women are emotionally immodest. Tell me everything he said, and let, let's get down deep. In, I, love when, I love watching groups of women get together and talk about men, and they have no psychological training, not one psychology class between the 12 of them, but they're trying to get behind the depths of it. Let's get to the real emotion and heart of the matter. I bet it's because he has a father wound spanning way back. What's really going on in his mind? And they just try to connect all of these dots, and then you see the group of men, he's like, this rain, crazy, dog. It's crazy. Work, man, is crazy. Because men and women have different needs. Whenever you communicate, listen, whenever you communicate in marriage, everything you say is heard through the filter of their need. A woman's greatest need is security, affirmation in the relationship, right? A man's greatest need is not sex. Close second. Don't misunderstand me. But a man's greatest need, why does everybody get weird when you say the word sex in church? The two things that we're supposed to act like we don't want anything to do with in church is money and sex. We're supposed to act like we want neither. In reality, we want a lot of both. 
A man's greatest need is honor and respect. When a husband communicates to a wife, it is heard through the filter of security. It is heard through the need of, I have to feel secure and reaffirmed in our relationship. Okay? You can say anything to her if you do it having affirmed, you're the most important thing in the world to me. There's nothing I wouldn't do for you. And there's nothing we can't get through together. As long as we do it together, we can fight anything. Because when you communicate with a woman, you have to encode your language. I can see men, men's brains are like, I don't know what's happening right now. What are we talking about? <laughs> I don't understand. I don't either. It's just the way it is. You have to encode your language. It has to be laced with a spirit of you're number one and everything else comes after that. That's how you create an atmosphere for life-giving communication. When you speak to a woman, it has to be through the need of security. When you speak to a man, it has to filter through the need of honor and respect. The moment he senses you disrespecting him, you've lost him. You need to stop right there, hit pause, take a break, and come back and try again because you've lost him. Because now it's not about whatever we were needing to talk about. Now it's about I feel disrespected. And now we've got a problem. And now you can't talk to, you can't come at me like another man coming to me because then it changes the nature of the relationship. Right? When early on in our marriage, I'd have to tell Lindsay, do not talk to me like you're a man. Because then I'm going to talk to you like you're a man. And you most certainly are not a man. Right? And she would come to me and say, I need you to first, before you go off, clarify that you still love me. Right? Clarify we still in this. I'm like, yeah, we still in it. Listen. <laughs> yeah, I ain't going nowhere. Listen. When you communicate to a man, it has to filter through the need of honor and respect. If you communicate to your wife and you do not affirm and solidify the security of the relationship, you've lost her. You've lost her. You can't hear at that point because when you communicate with a woman and you skip the need of security, when language of insecurity comes out, she begins to panic. Her, she begins to, 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 to disorganize and discombobulate on the inside. Her neurons start firing off in all kinds of directions. And now you have worked yourself into a problem you don't know how to get out of. You were like, I was just trying to talk about dinner, and now we're about to get divorced. How did all this happen? And I don't love you. And Same thing happens with a man. When you try to communicate to him, if you use words of dishonor and disrespect, it causes him to panic. He unravels on the inside. Right? You ask him to take out the trash. He thinks you're questioning his manhood. Take out the trash. Well, if you want a man that'll take out the trash, you should have married Johnny from high school because let me tell you something, I ain't about. Like, <laughs> if I take out the trash, it's because I want to take out the trash. It ain't because no woman going to tell me what to do. 
the reason I know all this, y'all laugh, is because I've sat in counseling sessions where these conversations are going on, and I'm thinking, oh, God. <laughs> when you communicate with them, you have to communicate through their need. All right? Now, let me give you a couple of, I'll give you a couple of standards of communication that you got to live by, right? If you will do what I'm, I'm telling you, if I can, if, if we can get this right, if you can get this right, the, the, the climate of your home can change in 24 hours. If you can get this right, you could have a different family in a month. You could go from having a relationship with no physical intimacy. Listen up, fellas. This is the key. The key. Right? It ain't working out at the gym and taking selfies. That ain't helping you. Right. <laughs> so many, I, we go to the gym and work out. I use the term workout very loosely. Go to the gym, hang out, lift something, go home. Lift something light and go home. But I see the men. They don't think you see them when they're taking the gym selfies. Get that angle. Get that lighting just right. If you just talk to her right, you can skip all that. You got to work smarter, not harder. Here's some standards of communication. If we can get this right, you would have a transformed relationship okay number one your words have to be caring they have to be kind if you're if every married couple would embrace this one rule you wouldn't have a problem you ready for it you're not ready for it you ready for it watch be nice. Be nice. What do you mean? Don't be a jerk. Have caring, kind words. Not just in what you say. There are some things that you don't need to say. There are some things that you need to say in a different way so it's easier to hear. You don't get a license to just come in and blow up and vomit everywhere. The Bible says even a, only a fool gives full vent to their emotions. You have to have caring words. You have to have kind words. It's called being a grown-up. It's called being emotionally mature. You hearing what I'm saying? Caring. It is the difference between, it is not just the words you say, it's also the spirit you say it in. Because women are masters at detecting the emotion behind the words. Masters. They call you out on it and you lie. You say I'm mad. I ain't mad. Well, that was a little sharp. Wasn't nothing sharp about it. You want sharp? I'll give you sharp. You have to be kind. It's the difference between I love you or I love you. It's the difference between 
Oh, I forgive you. Oh, I forgive you. <laughs> I've heard people say this in marriage so many times. Oh, I forgive you because Jesus commands me to. It's like, that was helpful. It's different. I forgive you or I forgive you. Same words, totally different spirit. They've got to be caring. They have to be caring. You with me? Number two, they have to be words of praise. Your Bible calls Satan the accuser. And when we take up an attack against our spouse, we are working with the enemy against the very relationship God's designed for us. And then we show up at the pastor's office confused as to what's going wrong. They have to be words of praise, words of encouragement. That's why you wash her with the water of the word. Let me give some of you a tip. It don't matter if you say it on Facebook and not say it behind closed doors. Because everybody looks like super husband on Facebook at Valentine's Day. But what did you say to her the day after? And the, the, and the week after? Not what you say to her on her birthday and Mother's Day. I know you told her she was a great mom on Mother's Day, but what about all the other 364 days out of the year? Yeah, ain't nobody helping me this morning. Words of praise, if we can get this right, it could transform the home. Words of praise, not accusation. Watch, words of honesty. You get to be honest in marriage, but you have to speak the truth in love. Love without truth is meaningless. Truth without love is mean-spirited. You have to be honest. You have, listen, you have to be honest. You have to speak words of praise. You have to speak words that are caring. Last one, I'll give you this. Gentry, come on up where you're You have to speak words, watch. You have to speak words of faith. This is what I mean. To have life-giving communication in your marriage, you have to forever give up trying to be the enforcer in the home. You make your request known, and then you trust God with it. God needs to fire all of us from the helping department. Right? You know how many times I've heard husbands use this kind of language? I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard husbands use this kind of language. Before me and my wife got married, she was late all the time to places. But when we got married, I corrected that. That's not a husband and wife. That's father-daughter. That's parent-child. And that's weird. fired from me and my wife we have a three year old son we'll be getting on to him about something all the time all the time if you ever wonder what's Pastor Casey doing you can assume we're telling our three year old son to not do something okay. 
we'll be getting on him, and my 13-year-old daughter will walk in. She'll start chiming in. She'll be, and another thing that you need to do, Asher, and we're like, we always stop. This is not our first rodeo. It was always a, we don't need your help. And that's what God's telling some of us in our marriage. Make your requests known, but you ain't got to preach, and you ain't got to go on to this, and then you ain't got to go on then you ain't got to dominate, then you ain't got to manipulate. He don't need your help. You say what you need to say, you commit it to God, and then you speak words of faith. Every, even parents, even parents know this, even with your own kids, even when they still live in your house, you, there comes a time in the relationship where the dynamic changes, and even then you can't be the enforcer. By the time they become teenagers, you're just the coach standing on the sidelines calling in the plays and hoping they run them right. Right? Try to be the enforcer with a 17-year-old. Kick against the brig, going to rebel. God doesn't need our help. Because I'll tell you this, God sides with truth. And when you make your request known, when you speak loving, kind, gracious words, even if you're having to air a complaint and saying, this is bothering me, I think this needs to change in our marriage. This is something that has me concerned that I've been thinking about. I love you, and, and, and you mean everything in the world to me, and we're going, we're, no matter what, we're going to get through this. But this needs to be dealt with because it bothers me, and then you leave it because you're not the enforcer. That's what the Bible talks about when it says having a meek and quiet spirit. It doesn't mean being a doormat that you get walked on. Having a meek and quiet spirit is the opposite of having a harsh and loud spirit. It means I'm not the enforcer anymore. God is. Hear what I'm saying? If we can get this right, we could heal every marriage if we could get this right. Amen. But if we don't get this right, there's not enough money to keep it together. Look as sexy as you want if this ain't right. Stand on your feet. <laughs> Y'all enjoy teaching on marriage? I enjoy it. Y'all enjoy it? A couple of you. Three of you. Praise God. The reason we do this, I've said this to you before, is your marriage doesn't get better just because the passage of time. That's not how this works. Grab the hand of your spouse if they're here beside you. If not, just do it by faith. Right? <laughs> Call his name out. Brad Pitt. Brad And let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the beautiful union of marriage. Thank you for the beautiful picture of the love between husband and wife being a sign and a wonder that signals the love that Christ has for his church. Father, we repent today any area in our relationships where we've allowed destructive communication, 
words that are not caring and kind, words that are harsh and loud, words that are accusatory and dishonest and manipulative. We repent. Lord, help us get our tongues right. Help us get our communication right. Help us grow up to be more like you. Look at me. I want to share this with you. Your Bible says that the tongue is set on fire by hell. It says that in the book of James. The tongue is set on fire by hell. He's saying if you don't get a hold of this communication, you can create hell in your life. You can create absolute hell in your marriage. But there's another story. In the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes down and they have tongues of fire. James said this is set on fire with the flame of hell. But if you surrender it to God, it can be set on fire with the flame of God's Spirit. And now you're not creating hell in your marriage. You're creating heaven in your marriage. If we can just get this right. Somebody give God a praise this morning. Come on, give God a praise. Hallelujah. Awesome. Listen, we love you all so much. Want to remind you, got to remind you, be sure to come to the marriage conference. Yes, we're going to have completely different sermons than what you've heard this month. So come to the marriage conference. Be sure to get signed up. Also, don't forget next steps, March the 1st. Listen to me. One more thing. One more thing. We had this past couple, two weeks, the largest small group signups we've ever had in the history of the church. No, that's worth celebrating. We had the largest number of people take a step into jumping in and building community, which needs to be celebrated. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you did not get a chance to sign up for a group, you can do two things. You can sign up in the foyer today. Try them out. Look through them. We've even got marriage groups. If you want to, to, to learn more about marriage, go deeper in your marriage. If you're young and you're married or if you've been married for 512 years and you still want to grow, then you can be a part of that. Or you can get signed up in the foyer or you can sign up online, but be sure to get in community. We love you, Hope Unlimited. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday, 930, 1115. God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.